Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So January is over already, but Dubai is still buzzing. The weather is great. There's lots of tourists here. People are out and about and enjoying the great restaurants in particular and food offerings that we have in this city. It's been a buzzword for the last few years, how advanced the Dubai foodie scene is becoming. And luckily today, we've a homegrown restaurant and concept to take, tell us through their story. So enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, we're joined by the owner and executive chef of Vietnamese Foodies, Lily Hoa Nguyen. Hi, good so, morning. Good morning. So since opening the doors to its first location in JLT in January 2018, Vietnamese Foodies has now expanded operations to include four other locations and for a total of five across Dubai. So we're going to hear all about the story of Vietnamese Foodies, which sounds like a great name for people who, foodies who love Vietnamese food. So I'm sure that was one of the reasons behind the name and the F&B industry in the UAE. And also, uh, you know, yeah, what it's like at the moment in Dubai. So good morning, Lily. Good morning. Thanks and nice to chat to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me here today. Great. So, yeah, you know, our, when we started Love in Dubai, we were in amongst JLT. And I remember when our, our office, when you, you guys opened in cluster, uh, we were in cluster C, I think, at the mm -hmm. time. And there was just a, a, a cluster almost of nice little restaurants popping up, independent restaurants. Yeah. So can you tell us about how it started? Um, so in 2018, January 5th, um, Vietnamese foodies opened the door to its first location in Cluster D, JLT. It was right next to Love in Dubai office. And I actually remember the date when the team came and visit Vietnamese fo uh, foodies for the first time. Um, it was open uh, after a four-year culmination of um, Vietnamese foodies as a brand. Um, Vietnamese foodies first opened as a cooking class in Turkey in 2014 when I was living there with my family. And um, because of the popularity of the cooking class, uh, we were running uh, twice a week when we were in Turkey. And when we moved to Dubai, I moved to Dubai with my family in 2016. We continued um, with the cooking class and we actually look for not a home in Dubai, but a kitchen, a kitchen that is big enough um, for me to continue running my cooking classes. And we are also uh, very well received by Vietnamese food lovers in Dubai um, up to a point that many of uh, my students who came to the cooking class say that when are you going to open your restaurant in Dubai because we cannot find uh, this kind of Vietnamese food in any other Vietnamese restaurant in Dubai. And in 2018, we finally took the leap of faith and opened our first location in a small, tiny location by the lakeside of Lake Terrace Tower. And it was a hit from the very first day. Um, we remember during that time, we have a team of six chefs 
and two server plus me and my husband who came during his lunch break to help <laughs> because we didn't have enough people. So the first day that we opened, it was a Friday. We received 150 guests. People wait for 20 minutes to get a table. The second day, it was a Saturday. Remember, during that time, the week weekend can was still Friday, Friday Saturday. Saturday. And the next day, 115 people came. And I said, okay, so we are busy. And uh, this is the weekend. So probably during the weekday, it's going to be a little bit less crowded. So we can like continue to prepare <laughs> and fix all the issues that we are facing. On Sunday, the first day of the week, work week, 100 people came. And... I was like, what is going on? We are running out of noodles. We are running out of bean sprouts. We are running out of green <laughs> onions. Food is not coming to the table. It's coming in all the wrong sequence. The main course comes first. The appetizer comes second. People wait 40 minutes for a table. We don't have anyone clearing the dirty plate. And I was like, okay, let's close it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine after the third day? Because we, we cannot... Um, continue with this kind of service quality. We cannot continue to um, serve people with the wrong kind of food to the wrong table, to the wrong sequence. At the end of the day, we are in a hospitality business and we want people to leave the restaurant happy. So when people are not leaving the restaurant happy, something is seriously wrong. So we close the restaurant after the third day in operation. Wow, we that was yeah. We sit down with the chef, we read, sit down with the server and say, what can we do to make the operation better? So we change the menu, we introduce the business lunch um, that will have three options during lunch. If you want your lunch to be served quick and hard to the table, please go with the business lunch, we said. And we change um, a few things in the POS system to make it more efficient. We hire people as fast as we could. And on the fifth day, we open again and it get full again. People didn't give up hope on us because we closed on the fourth day. So I must say I thank um, the Dubai foodies for their support, their continuous support and for believing in us. A small little business that opened in the corner of JLT and until today, um, the location that we open anywhere around Dubai, we still receive a lot of support from Dubai foodies. Amazing. What a great story. Lily. It's fascinating. So just kind of going a step back, I really like that you kind of started with cooking classes. Was it that you wanted to teach or that you were a passionate chef or did you study this? What's your background? So I actually um, started cooking when I was five years old. Um, our family lived in Vietnam, post-war Vietnam. I was born in the 80s and everybody were struggling to make ends meet. My dad um, was a sailor and he was away from home most of the time. Probably I'll see him twice a year. And my mom... At that time, she was working three jobs at the same time to make ends meet to raise us four girls and all the household chores um, will be divided by us, the four sisters. So as a third child in the family, uh, cooking 
meaningful to me because I kind of like it and enjoy doing it ever since I was very young. And uh, I remember when I was 13, all the meals of the family will be cooked by me. I will cook the whole week, breakfast, lunch, dinner for everyone. I would remember what someone likes, someone doesn't like, and how to make food that everybody in the family would enjoy. So you would say that it start from there. And then I grow up, finish university and start working as a marketing executive in a multinational company like Unilever, L'Oreal, Kimberly Clark for like almost 10 years. Uh, did you study in Vietnam? I study in Vietnam, yeah. So um, after graduation from university, I started working with Unilever as a marketing executive at first. And then uh, I stayed with them for five years and finished my career as the group product manager of um, United Pharmaceutical Company. Um, and in 2012, I met my husband in Vietnam and we moved to Turkey um, to be together, to build our family together. And shortly after arriving in Turkey, my husband's company moved us to Paris. And I spent uh, half a year in Paris um, eating, basically, <laughs> because I've always been so fascinated with um, food and cuisines from around the world. I was lucky that I grew up in Vietnam and Ho Chi Minh City, where we have a huge variety of restaurants and food establishment from all around the world. And um, I would always try to um, recreate a dish that I like when I go eat outside for my family because cooking is still my hobby. You get inspiration. So you're constantly uh -huh. learning, but not really from a book, like more about what you taste and see. And Yeah, so Ho Chi Minh City is my school, my culinary school. I try food from so many different countries in Vietnam, in Ho Chi Minh City itself. Um, and Ho Chi Minh is actually uh, voted the fifth city with the most uh, culinary variety in the world around 2015, I think, mm. because you would find uh, cuisine from all around the world in Ho Chi Minh City. And because I'm curious about food, since a very young age, I always um, make it a habit to go out and try and eat in different restaurants, in different cuisines. And then when I go home, I'll try and recreate that flavors for fi my family to enjoy as well. Mm. And during the time in Paris, I did the same thing. So I enjoy going out to eat with my friends and my husband in restaurants in a uh, French restaurant, of course, but also other international food establishment in Paris, Italian restaurant and um, uh, Turkish restaurant, Vietnamese restaurant, Chinese restaurant, any kind of cuisine that is available in Paris, I'll go and try it. So that was a second city of education yeah. after Ho Chi Minh. So what, how do you, you know, people often talk about the French cuisine. Mm -hmm. and were you impressed? Mm -hmm. I am, I am very impressed um, about how they can uh, create something very amazing using very few ingredients, but excellent ingredients. So I think um, one of the key um, success or the 
um, greatest strength of French cuisine is sophistication in simplicity itself. So you will not find a dish that is cooked with more than five ingredients, um, but each and every ingredient is so carefully selected and so carefully curated so that it would reach its full potential in the dish. Um, even vegetable, uh, ratatouille, I don't think there is any at least in my personal opinion, there is no other vegetable dish that is cooked that well. And um, I mm. really appreciate how the French chefs are very careful and attending to the smallest details in the dish. Um, they can be a little bit reserved in the sense that they are not very, um, how to say, they are not very courageous in changing a lot of aspect in the dish, but they always try and have some tweak in a traditional dish that make it their own. Mm. So you can have the same dish from this restaurant and the next restaurant. They would be generally the same, but there will be a very slight twist between the two dish that would um, win the heart of their own regular customer. I would say. Mm. So at this point, you know, it's sort of uh, 10 years ago, you, you've done nothing per se in terms of business or studying with food. It's a passion. Mm -hmm. You obviously like it. Mm -hmm. At what point uh, did, you, did you have a desire to be, to do this as a vocation? And at what point did you start your first class? 10 years ago, I would say that I have no idea that I'm going to be a restauranter, to be honest. And um, when I was living in Vietnam and living in France, Vietnamese food is, is always accessible, it's abundant, and I don't find myself longing for it. But when we moved to Turkey, because in Turkey I cannot find any restaurant or um, even the ingredient available to make Vietnamese food in Turkey is limited. So... I started to source for ingredients from Vietnam and I start cooking Vietnamese food at home the way that I know that it should be. And first, we invite friends and family over for Vietnamese food and for most of them, it's their first time tasting Vietnamese food. And they start going, this is amazing. Can you tell us how you cook this dish and how can you show us how Vietnamese food is made? So... The idea for Vietnamese foodies cooking classes actually came from there because I'm part of the um, International Women of Istanbul Network. We have a group of uh, expert friends that meet frequently and I have received the same request from them. So I say, okay, we will create a cooking class so that people from around the world can come and um, cook Vietnamese food together and then enjoy the food together. How would you, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, for the uninitiated or, you know, hearing from someone that's passionate and knowledgeable about Vietnamese food, how do you describe it? Uh, you know, we all know the different types of, say, Asian cuisine and, and things like that. We've all eaten in Vietnamese restaurants or mm -hmm. most have and Chinese, but is it is it the cooking? Is it the ingredients or what makes it different? I think the um, differentiator of Vietnamese food uh, compared to other Asian cuisine is balance because Vietnamese food 
cooking is all about balancing the flavors and the texture so that you would re uh, receive a dish that is harmonized. Um, we don't go or we don't overuse any flavors in one same dish. You will not find any dish in Vietnamese cuisine that is very sour, very spicy or very sweet or very salty. In one dish, we always try to balance the five tastes, sweet, salty, spicy, bitterness and um, umami. Uh, that sounds we, like a hard thing to do, to balance all that in one dish. It is um, how Vietnamese food is always created. A f dish will be judged on an overall texture and flavor balance. Um, we will not um, probably have a dish that is way too sweet and you will probably not find anything that way too spicy in Vietnamese cuisine. Okay. And also we prefer cooking with broth and or steaming or cooking in water instead of frying or deep frying. And we use a lot of fresh herbs and vegetables in uh, our dishes. So a true Vietnamese dishes uh, will not be complete if it, it doesn't have any fresh vegetable in it or any fresh herb garnishing it. Mm. And um, we, we also have uh, crispy things, deep fried things, but on an overall, I would say the dominant portion of Vietnamese cuisine would be things that you will find cooking in broth, like pho and noodle soup, or steam like bao buns and um, other uh, vegetables that is only simply boil or steam and then dip in a special sauce, um, dipping sauce that would give it its flavors. Mm. I would think that is the biggest difference between Vietnamese cuisine and other Asian cuisine. It's a really nice exp explanation. It's good to understand. So... In Istanbul, and then you come to Dubai in 2016, mm -hmm. uh, you know, something has sparked, something's been initiated, you're doing some classes. And I liked how you described earlier that the important thing was to find a kitchen big enough. So you find the kitchen, but it's still sort of residential and you're, and you're doing the cookery classes. Are you, are you charging for the classes? Are you, do you think that this is a, a side gig? Are you getting it going as a business? At that point, it was still a hobby for me. And um, we started with uh, once a week cooking classes. We I charge for the class because um, for I, the would, ingredients, yeah. I would not be able to cover the ingredient um, by myself. But it is a class and also a food experience because after the cooking class, we also bring the dishes that we've created in the kitchen to the dining room together to enjoy and to share the food uh, and conversation um, together. And first it was once a week and then it become twice a week. And up to a point, my husband is not able to access the house because there are always <laughs> strangers in the kitchen and in the living room. And at that point, I think we decided let's move this to a business location where people can come and enjoy Vietnamese food um, more freely and at a more frequent. Um, and was this word of mouth and... You know, obviously people like Vietnamese food in many capital cities around the world or many big cities, international cities. 
But was it also a sort of an uh, immigrant expat get together as well? Was it were, were the people coming to your house foodies or were they Vietnamese people in general? I would say all of them are foodies. Mm. Some of them are Vietnamese, but most of them are expats from many different countries. Mm. Yeah, so I got the chance to meet them and show them Vietnamese food, but also learn from them the culinary culture of different countries and what people like or don't like about Vietnamese food in a certain preference. So I think the three years that I spent Uh, running the cooking class also taught me many valuable lessons about how to make Vietnamese cuisine um, enjoyable by people from around the world. Many things that you needed for the that you, that helped you with Vietnamese foodies when it opened. What struck me is that you opened and you had six chefs already, and to so that seems like a bit of an investment. And you know, um, did you did you get backing? And you know, how, how was that sort of initial sort of Uh, you know, commitment to going, oh, we need to get into business here? I think um, when I was running the cooking classes, it was still a hobby. But of course, when we take a location and invest in the staff, it became a business that I would like to run. So the first initial investment was the saving that me and my husband have during the years that we spent working. And actually that was kind of the whole saving that we have. We put everything that we have into that location with the investment into the furniture, the kitchen, the staff and everything. Because um, I believe that Vietnamese food is lacking in uh representation in Dubai and there is a chance for Vietnamese foodies as a restaurant to success at that time. Interesting. Um, and okay, so you, you, you know, you didn't become a chef in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So you, you had a, a good career. Uh, so you obviously understood the professional work ethic and everything like that and a bit of marketing probably and a bit of skills. Uh, but then, you know, you open this restaurant and, you know, talking about Dubai in general, I think When I moved here first, the figure I heard was eight or nine thousand F&B outlets in the UAE or in Dubai, in Dubai, I think. And now I heard the figure that it's twelve thousand. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's for two or three million people. Uh, and Vietnamese restaurants and cuisine was underserved, mm -hmm. or maybe the quality that you were looking for. Uh, did you think that you were appealing to sort of a wider market, or was it that you wanted to go in at a really high end, or how did you find that market fit? Uh, and you know, was it all about Uh, people coming to the restaurant or are we going to do deliveries and things as well? As you said, um, there is right now probably about 12,000 restaurants in Dubai alone. Yet there is only about 10 Vietnamese restaurants. Whoa, that's there is, a low number. Uh, um, Vietnamese cuisine is very underrepresented and I think what we have done successfully over the last five years was to grow this category, to introduce this cuisine to people. There are so many customers who try Vietnamese food at the first time with Vietnamese foodies and they found that they like it and they return for it. So we um, always... When even when um, we've just started with the cooking class, 
I always want to appeal to the bigger group, to the uh, wider audience rather than just Vietnamese because I don't think people um, should be defined by their nationality with the cuisine reference because I know from myself, I enjoy all kind of cuisine. There isn't any cuisine around the world that I don't enjoy. And there are so many friends of mine who are the same with me. We are all foodies. We go and explore. We go on foodie trip and we enjoy so many different cuisine. And I believe Dubai is a place like that. So we don't just aim to serve the Vietnamese group in Dubai. We aim to serve anyone who like the cuisine and who aim for a healthier eating habits and um, want to make um, Vietnamese food part of their lifestyle on a daily basis. Okay. Yeah. So when we grow Vietnamese foodies from one location in 2018 to become five location in 2022, the company has grown more than five times. And each time when I go to a new location and talk to the customer, I also feel amazed that we are able to touch so many lives. Like it can be with a small bowl of fur, it can be through one hour encounter, but it's very close to your soul because food is something that touch you directly and it is impactful. If it is the first time you try it and you like it, it kind of open a little corner in your mind saying, oh, this is something that I didn't know and I didn't know that I enjoy it and I can continue to do that. This is a new joy for me. Mm. So that is my motivation. Amazing. Uh, so many questions. I think this could be a long interview, but just kind of, um, you know, Vietnamese food, people like it when they try it. Did you have to tailor it anymore with trends? For example, you know, people like halal food in the region, obviously, um, and there's more trends around vegan and things like that. Were there different dishes and different things that you sort of added? So, um, of course, when we run the cooking classes in um, 2016 until 2018. As I said, I've learned so much from my students. I've learned what they like and I've learned what they don't like. I've learned um, what is the spe specific uh, pain point and gain point of this cuisine towards a certain group of people. And when we open the restaurant, I try and apply all these learnings into the menu uh, so that we would have more gain point than pain point. But adapting a cuisine is not an easy task and I don't want to change Vietnamese cuisine to a point that is not recognizable anymore. I want the food that we serve in Vietnamese foodies to be as authentic as it mm. can get. And um, we use all the authentic cooking ingredient and we use the most authentic cooking method that we can but there might be certain technique that we use for example um, most of the meat that was served in Vietnam was served bone in 
because people are used to it, to it and they enjoy eating the meat with the bone in it. But it doesn't happen here, so we have to use deboned meat, for example. But we still try and make the flavors similar. Um, yeah. And Sorry, what was the yeah? The, no, the I guess that was it. It was really the trends around, uh -huh. you know, vegan and things like yeah. that as well. Vegan, uh, it was lucky because veganism is always a part of Vietnamese culinary culture. Mm. Because as a country, we are around like ninety-five percent Buddhist, mm. so there are so many vegan in the country, and even those who are not strict vegan, they would eat um, only vegan food for two days during the month. Mm. Um, it is very uh, suitable for Vietnamese cuisine as well because we have so much ingredient to use in vegan dishes. We use a lot of fresh vegetables and tofu and beans and things that are made Absolutely. from beans. So I would say vegan for us is not a train. It is an intrinsic part of our culinary culture and we introduced that to the diners of Dubai and I'm amazed that right now the vegan diners and the vegan menu contribute to about 10% of our total business. Very good. So That's it is growing a, a, a lot. very yeah. um, healthy growing trend and we are able to um, grow with it because there is still a lot in our vegan culture to offer that mm. is not available right now in the menu. You, amazing. You mentioned, Lily, uh, before we started the podcast that you spoke with someone at Dubai Tourism and they, they said, "What well, can you tell that story around success after with the first venue and then when you open more? Yes. So um, last year we had the chance to work with uh, Dubai Tourism on um, building a series of um, documentary that is uh, airing in Emirate Ice program right now mm. called Born in Dubai mm. or Made in Dubai. Yeah, Made in Dubai. And we are featured alongside with, uh, alongside with other concept that is created here. And Rashid, the um, journalist who worked together with me on this documentary, he told me one thing that I would never forget. He said that if you have a concept that is growing and after three years, your first location is still alive and well, it means that your concept is successful and even though you are growing, you are not um, killing the first location or you didn't forget where you come from. Mm. It means that you are growing sustainably. So it's very important to me um, and I'm really happy to hear that from him because I've seen um, many examples of uh, restaurants who are growing and growing too fast to a level that they change and become something that is not recognizable from their origins. And how do you do that? How do you grow sustainably? For example, each new outlet needs capital investment. Uh, you know, do you raise new funds? Do you sign a different agreement with an investor for that location? Or do you take the profits from the first place and go step by step? We always um, try and not grow too fast. We don't go and open two locations during a year or we don't call in um, 
investor for the location that we are going to open. We always try and fund the location ourselves, and um, we try and grow in a pace that we will be able to manage. Um, we, I think, right now one of the only few independent restaurant in the malls. Um, you mentioned Dubai Hills. In Dubai Hills, last time when I was walking the floor, me and my husband came to realize that, look, we are one of the only two independent restaurants in this mall. How amazing is that? And um, our approach to growing is, I want people who come to any of the Vietnamese Swedish location to receive the same quality of food and quality of service and the experience as authentic as they would receive from the first location, mm. if not better. And how has it been possible to manage the processes? Because if you're in one kitchen in JLT, you can oversee everything. Now there are five. Uh, what, what have you learned along the way and how do you... What things have you put in place to ensure the quality? So um, I've learned, I think the most important thing in the last five years is restaurant business is a team sport. Mm. So you don't do everything yourself. You need to have good team members around you, people who you can trust, people you can train, and people who will be able to carry out parts of the operation as good if not better, then you would do yourself. Mm. So luckily, we have been able to retain some of the core team members since the start. Um, they've been with us for um, five years and they grow within the organization. So we are able to test them with things um, in the kitchen when I'm not there. And also, we have built a central kitchen process. So many of the um, factors that can change if the production of uh, some sauce or some broth, it can change if each and every kitchen make their own. But we keep the production of those uh, key items like stock broth, sauce, um, seasoning, we organized the production of these in one location and I would go and check the process, I would taste and we would perfect the quality of the product there and then we would send it to all the other location. So mm. that's how we um, make the product quality consistent mm. everywhere. And you didn't think about, you know, have there been people interested from hospitality groups uh, to acquire part of or to partner with to help you with that expansion or you didn't think about a franchise model you decided to do it like this for now for now we are um, growing ourselves sustainably um, and I think we are happy with our growth in Dubai there are interests from groups and from other markets but we are not um, entering into any of the partnership at the moment. I'm not going to, I'm not saying that we are not going to do it ever, but before we grow enough, before we have sufficient resource to make sure that 
if we are going to open in Saudi or Qatar one year from now, it's going to be the same experience that you will get mm. from Dubai today. If I'm not confident about that, then we are not going to do it. So I need to be sure about the system that we have, the blueprint that we have before we enter into any of those discussions. Interesting. And how do you choose a location? Where are your five in Dubai now? And is it about, you know, uh, residential reach? Mm -hmm. How do you choose? So we have um, probably uh, three different kind of location, I would say. Um, we always try to serve uh, resident and office workers in the crowded resident and high traffic areas such as JLT and downtown. So these are the location that is street side but located in the high traffic area. And the second kind of location that we have is um, resident malls. So this is something that we've just started to build in 2021 and it's worked very well. So we are in Nakhil Mall and Dubai Hills Mall at the moment. This is not super touristy mall or a very crowded mall, but more of a mall who serve to the re resident in that area mm. for the palm and for people who live in Dubai Hills area. So still people who come to Vietnamese cities are the resident, the regulars of the area. Mm. And the last location we have is the Time Out Market location, the only location with um, um, a management partner, which is Time Out Market International. Yeah. And they opened the 17 best restaurant under one roof concept in Suk Obaha. Mm. We are invited to be one of the 18 food concept in mm. the market. And uh, it is Very the good. only location where we are in one of the food hall concept. Mm. Interesting. So there's a nice mix of where you are. And you mentioned at the start, well, in regards really to when you were in Turkey about finding it difficult to find the cuisine, but also the ingredients. How do you find the supply of ingredients now and the, the food processing and manufacturing in the UAE for what you do? Um, now we have the scale to work with um, some of the biggest a food supplier in Dubai and thankfully in Dubai you can find everything and anything if you have enough volume so before there are things that we have to sort ourselves but now we can find them uh, from the supplier from the food partners uh, food supplier partner that we have mm, mm, yeah mm. and do you do you look at that do you look at what is the centralized kitchen that you have at the moment is it part of one of the restaurants and then you know, do you have plans in the future to sort of do more in that space, such as, you know, grow your own ingredients or anything like that? Um, I think that would be a little bit difficult given the climate that we are at. Um, but we um, don't grow the fresh herbs and vegetables ourselves. However, um, we import some of the specific ingredient like uh, fresh basil and coriander and Vietnamese uh, mint from Thailand um, and from Vietnam uh, through one of our food supplier partner. And we, 
are not there yet uh, to think about growing our own ingredient, I would say. But it might happen because with the technology these days, with um, hydraulic uh, agriculture and who knows, maybe different types of farms. Yeah. In the next one or two years, we can think of partnering with someone mm. who will help us with that. However, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into that branch of the business just yet. It's more about the efficiencies of how working with suppliers, but supplying your venues in, in an efficient way with keeping the quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about Dubai tourism, but you know, since you moved here, uh, sort of six, seven years ago, uh, have you been impressed? You know, last year we had the Michelin star, you know, Dubai clearly has an agenda to be a food capital of the world. Lots of foodies are coming here. And do you see that? Do you see people sort of coming to your restaurant who've literally got off a plane to come and try your foods? Like, do you see this happening? I think that um, Dubai food scene is one of the most vibrant food scene around the world at the moment. And we are under the uh, limelight of um, Michelin of um, 50 best and there are so many um, publications uh, international awards that is coming to appreciate to support Dubai Fusin and of course it brought a lot of um, visitors and extra income to the restaurant and it is it is something that is really really nice and supportive and rewarding as well because everybody has had Two very difficult years during the pandemic, and it is time for us to revel a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've seen people who came to Vietnamese studies um, specifically to tick us off a list, and I have also seen the most recent return of Asian tourists, and we are one of the most popular destinations for them as well, especially our downtown location. So yeah, people uh, come and um, when they talk to me, they are saying it's amazing that we find these flavors of Vietnamese food somewhere in Dubai. That um, And there are people who came from America and from France. So mm. I'm really, really proud of that. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's a real success story. And, you know, there's... at the end of the interview, we talked about the pandemic, but to do this growth with you know, opening in 2018 with the global pandemic that affected restaurants, particularly in 2020, is an amazing success story. And, you know, really at this point, I would ask about the region and what your view of living in Dubai is. But it sounds like that you've enough to cater for in this city uh, and that, you know, you're well placed in this city. And, you know, Lily, is it your view that, you know, it's a great place to have founded a business? And are you happy here? Yeah, I think... um Dubai is one of the best things that happened to me and to my family in the last 10 years. The city has um, shown us tremendous opportunity and the people in Dubai, um, I really appreciate them for being so open-minded and supportive of any newly opened business. And still, until today, there are people who doesn't know about Vietnamese yet Yet, um, when they come across our location and try our food for the first time, they are very open and they are very 
appreciative mm. about um, what we have brought to the city. And me, myself, as a foodies, when I um, walk around the food scene anywhere in the city, there are so much things that the city offer. And I would say Dubai is a great place to come and invest because um, the environment is stable. You can find transparency in most of everything that you do. And um, there is a very, very potential market for any F&B brand in the world. And I have seen um, many global or regional brands that came and become a success here in the last two years, even mm -hmm. though it was, it was a very tough two years, but there are people who managed to make it and uh, I would say that uh, I'm thankful for the city that I live in and the people who share it with me. Amazing. And, you know, just to finish then, you know, we're still at the start of the year, uh, 2023. What, what do you have on the plans this year that you can reveal? Are you, are you opening new locations? Are you expanding what you have? Is another city in the works? Or, you know, there's a lot of events, right? Like there must be temptation to be in food trucks. There's Taste of Dubai, I think, quite soon. Are you, are you doing things like that? Yeah, um, funny that you would ask about it. Right at the moment, um, Vietnamese Foodies on the Move project is being um, prepared, Develop. developed. And from March onwards, we will be able to bring Vietnamese Foodies food offering to the street. So it was very funny because when I look at reference for food truck around the world, do you know which food truck is one of the top most popular in the US? No. A Vietnamese one. Ah. Yeah. And <laughs> it struck me. Um, why didn't we think about this before? I, I guess probably just because we are too busy growing and building the location that we have, but we've never thought that Vietnamese food can be available and made available in a food truck as well. Mm. And given the number of events that we have in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, um, international event of all kind. And we would really like to be part of the food scene in those events um, to bring more um, quality mm. to the mobile and event food scene, I would say. And it would be a chance for us to get to know other people who came to the event because they sometimes are not just Dubai residents. There are international visitors who just came for the event and people who came from other Emirates for the event specifically. So I think Vietnamese Foodies on the Move will be a very exciting addition hmm. to the uh, mobile or event uh, food options. And it would also be exciting for us to get to know many of our new clients or audience Brilliant. from there as well. Well, I'm sure people will visit your locations first, but it'd be great to see you out and about as well. Vietnamese foodies on the move. Watch out for it. Lily, it's been a pleasure talking to you this morning. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure our listeners did do that did too thank you for sharing and i'm sure you've got a, a busy place to go to for lunch now but thanks again and nice to meet you this morning thank you for having me thank you so much it was my pleasure as well thank you what a great conversation and lily's obviously very smart and also passionate about what she's doing and shared 
transparent with what she shared about the industry and the Vietnamese foodies and the cuisine in general. Off, off air at the end, uh, I asked her a little bit more about the business and I know our discerning food uh, business audience would like to hear it in that. Uh, I asked what's a typical operating margin that they strive for and they said she said between 16 and 18%, which I found particularly high for an F&B concept. She also shared that they're not quite there there yet because they invest a lot in middle management, which you know is another insight to how you can grow a concept beyond one. Um, and it's obviously a very competitive landscape in Dubai and a lot of new places are opening all the time in terms of malls and venues that need hospitality and it's quite difficult probably to keep going and expanding, but they've done an amazing job at that. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I did as well. Um, like to thank Shahir, uh, our producer, for putting that together, and Ali K and Ali B for uh, managing the audio and the video and the distribution and all the things that goes into producing a podcast. Thank you to our listeners. The listeners are growing all the time. I really appreciate the feedback. Uh, one person t- this week, Abdullah Bibi, in a meeting, told me that. You need to shorten the intro, Rich. <laughs> so we shorten the intro. So you don't have to do that 30 second skip on, on Apple and also to improve the audio quality, which we're always doing. And we really appreciate this feedback. So thank you for that. We'll be back next week with another episode. 11 o'clock on Friday, it goes live on Smashy TV on the streaming service. If you'd like to watch it, uh, you know, on, on that, we don't have it free on YouTube or anything like that. It's on the Smashy TV. Uh, but we do have the clips on this one will be on Smashy Hospitality on Instagram or Smashy Business on Instagram um, and TikTok and all the channels. Uh, and we will have an article on Love in Dubai with a bit more details as well. So uh, you can check it out there. But if you are listening, uh, as most of you do on Apple, Angami or Spotify, please do like, comment, subscribe and share. Uh, and, you know, every share is another listener and then we can have more interesting guests on for you guys in the future. Thanks a lot and enjoy the weekend.